Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Good evening. I certainly appreciate uh, being able to spend this time with you. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Spend this time with you. Especially amidst the rain, we have some October rain. It's been interesting weather, right? Uh, I need assistance for just a moment. Uh, I need to borrow just a, like a $1 coin or a $2. Does anybody even carry cash any, anymore? I need cash. I need front road, it's just cash. I need, I need cash. All right, here we go. Look at this. Somebody has cash. It's fantastic. (laughs) With the queen. Maybe these are going to be worth more than $1. You know, they're going to be worth way more than $1. Uh, It's a great joy to be able to speak tonight. And um, I certainly don't consider myself any further ahead of you in this journey of life or faith. Uh, It's always a privilege to open scripture together and ask questions and and dive in. And so tonight I'm a fellow learner. I ask the same questions as you wrestle with the same complexities of life. I have three kids. They were all here this morning, three sons. And when they were younger, we would give them things like this. Yes, a $1 coin. And uh, now they have like little debit cards that, that they have. So it's you know, the world is changing, but we'd give them a coin and maybe we'd go into like a, a convenience store or a lolly store and say, hey, you can, you can buy whatever you want and, and here's a dollar. Go and choose whatever you want. And uh, hey, do you remember back to when you were a kid and how much you could fit into a small amount in those scenarios? And they'll be doing the sums and this here is 15 cents and uh, that's 20 cents. Say, kids, spend it however you want. But here's the measure, here's the amount, here's the limit of, of what you can spend. You know, when I, when I think about life, it, it actually speaks to me of what this coin can represent. That we're all given a coin in life. And this coin, for the purposes of this illustration here tonight, represents the totality of your life your years, your passions, your giftings. It represents you. And we're all given a coin. And you can spend it any way you want. But you can only spend it once. Life is like a coin given to us that we can spend however we want but we only get to spend it once. Tonight I'm talking about the search for significance. And I want to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 1. My man. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't a good throw. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. If you have the Bible app on your phone, you can turn there. Perhaps they put the scripture up on the screen. Uh, if you don't, no problem. I'm going to read it to you. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. We really can't do such an incredible book, Justice, in just, you know, one church service, but we'll do our best just to pick out some pieces that I think will speak to all of us. 
Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through to 7. And it reads, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Did you catch that introduction? The words of the preacher, the son of David. Okay, so we're just introduced a little bit to... Here's the author, here's the writer. Okay, not, there's not a long preamble. You don't need to skip 10 verses to get to what this individual has to say about life because it hits us immediately in verse 2. One of the most encouraging scriptures for sure. And it reads, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Who feels encouraged and just blessed? You just close up right there, end the message, go home. <laughs> Friends ask you, what did the preacher talk about? Like, actually, it was a little bit depressing, to be honest. He continues in verse 3, what profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? Now, just to press pause and I want to highlight a few words to you. We'll continue reading. But important in our time together are two key words that are mentioned in these two verses, which is the word vanity and the word profit. Now, that would make a very interesting study for you if you're wanting to get into reading the Scripture more. Just look at those two words. We'll talk about those words in more detail. The words vanity and the word profit. But a little sub-theme that emerges right here in the first chapter of Ecclesiastes is this phrase, under the sun. Okay, it's a very important phrase that uh, Solomon writes about here, the phrase under the sun, and the word labor or toil. So we see Solomon, he writes a lot about toiling, laboring, this idea of life under the sun, the hard work of life. Now, verse 4, it, it, it reads, one generation passes away and another generation comes but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises, and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes towards the south, and it turns around to the north. The wind whirls around continually. It comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full to the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. Let's talk for a moment about the author because he really is a very fascinating individual. Solomon was known as a man of great wisdom, and so he writes wisdom literature in the Bible. We can read about themes like the meaning of life, life under the sun, our days on this earth, and Solomon had a lot of wisdom about really every element of life, from friendships to relationships and morality and finances and so much more. He was an extremely wise man, but he was also influential. He, he was the king, so he had status and power. He was immensely wealthy, immensely wealthy. 
to, to a, a mind-blowing, staggering kind of degree, the wealth that Solomon accrued and, and the luxury and the palaces. And he writes about it openly in Ecclesiastes, almost boastfully, the stables of horses and the staff that he had and, and the palaces and homes that he built and the vineyards that he planted. We get this idea that this man lived just one of the most remarkably privileged lives. And he writes in Ecclesiastes almost this like examination on the meaning of life and the value of life. And he's reflecting on his own life and his own journey, but he's also putting it in front of all of us. And there are two key words that unlock the meaning of this book for us to understand what Solomon is trying to present. And those two words are the words vanity and profit. So he he puts in front of us in these first few verses contrast between two different themes. One is the theme of vanity, and the other is the theme of profit. And, and Solomon just lands them right there. Verse 2, verse 3, there's vanity and there's profit. Now, it's interesting because Solomon uses that word vanity 38 times in Ecclesiastes. So this is a key part of what he's trying to communicate to us that he feels vanity. Now, that word means emptiness. It means futility. Okay, there's nothing worse than doing something and it's, it's futile, right? It's, it's, like, it's like digging a hole, you know, and it's like, no, you just go ahead, fill that in. I actually needed that hole dug just one meter across, just right there. And that was a waste of effort. That felt, what? Futile. It felt wasted, wasted effort, but it also gives us a word picture. And, and Solomon talks about the vapor of life, that life is like a vapor. But the word picture that this word carries with it, the word vanity, is, is this. It's as if you put your hand in the smoke from a fire and remove it. And that's the picture that is carried with that word. I put my hand in smoke and remove it. What difference did it make? What was the change as a result of that? The smoke continues, the fire continues, and here's the essential part. I need you to catch this because we're going to build upon this in the meaning of this word vanity, and it's this. Nothing is left behind. When something is done in vain, it has no residual value. It just feels wasted. At the end of it, there's nothing left over. At the end of it, no value remains. And that's why we would say, I did that in vain. That was a complete waste of time. Have you ever raced to get to a store before it closes? You get caught in traffic, you turn up five minutes late, and the store is closed, and what do you say? That was just a complete waste of time. That whole effort of getting in my car and driving and traffic and lights, it was completely in vain. There is nothing that remains. And so Solomon even gives us this little picture, right? D did you catch it? He talks about the wind. Now, I don't really think that Solomon is trying to give us lessons on the, the scientific flow of wind patterns. But listen to what he's trying to say here, that wind goes toward the south, and it turns around, and it goes right back to 
the north. He's not speaking about wind. He's speaking about life. He says, yeah, just in the same way that wind, it just, it travels over here. All of that effort and rustling of leaves and all that it brings with it and all the energy that is expelled during that time and the wind blows from the south and then once it gets there, it turns around and it just goes on back from where it came from. We are a part of a world that is searching for meaning and value. And there are many people that would say, when I hear that, that's how I feel about life. I feel vanity and I'm searching for meaning in my story and in my journey. Well, thankfully, Solomon introduces us to another word, and it's the word prophet. Now, that word is also used 10 times in Ecclesiastes. Here's what's interesting. It's used nowhere else in the Old Testament. So it's a very specific word that Solomon, as a writer, chooses that word and inserts it into his writing. Right next to this study on vanity, Solomon uses this word, the word prophet. Now, here's what's interesting. What does that word mean? Well, it's translated surplus. That which is left over. That which remains. Okay, surplus would be like if you're eating a meal and the person next to you was eating a meal at the restaurant and they have something left over. I did this to my children all the time and I say this, are you going to eat that? Because it seems like you're done. Those fries there, they look awesome. Is that left over? Is that what remains? Is that surplus? Someone talks about profits. The advantage, the gain. He's asking a question. How do we live a life that's not a life like the wind that blows from the south, turns around and goes back to the north? How can we live a life where we say this at the end of our days, that which remains was worth it. I lived for the right things. I lived for the things that mattered. My value system was constructed in a way that I lived a significant life. I lived for the right things. What are you living for? Because life is like a coin, and yes, you can spend it any way you want. That's called free will. But you only get to spend it once. That's been driven home to me this year, the loss of family members, including my brother, we were only 18 months apart. And I never thought I'd be standing here at this age and moment in my life not having my brother with me. It's, it's almost unthinkable to even say that. And we never really consider the brevity of life that we don't know. We don't know. But I'll tell you this, we all exchange our coin for something. And I know for me, that search is a very real search. I've had the interesting fortune of being around certain people in life that have what seems to be great success, be that wealth or homes or uh, great business aptitude that's led to incredible success. But I can tell you this, you can stand in a luxurious home and that home feels empty and cold. 
You can stand in somebody's life who from the outside seems like they have it all. They have profit. But when you talk with them, you get the sense that they're saying, I'm still wrestling with this sense of vanity. We all have a desire to exchange the coin for that which matters. That desire is put there in us by God. It's the search for significance. It's a search to live in the way that God created us to live. But we live in a world that presents a narrative to us that I think is leading us to a profitless life, a life of vanity. And what is that narrative? Well, it contains values like this. Live for now. Get as much as you can. Give up your soul if needed for success. And yet we have generations that are searching for meaning and they're confused about what really matters because no matter how much we get in life, the river flows into the sea and the sea never fills up. No matter how much we get, it's not filling the void that needs to be filled. And I want you to picture that. The river, it flows. It flows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The river is flowing into the sea. And Solomon says, no matter how much it flows, the sea never moves. It never fills up. And that's the story of our world today. How much more can I get that ultimately what I need to be filled with will satisfy me. And we get more and the river flows, but it seems like we're not truly filling up with what matters. And so you've got to think about this. Surely there has got to be more to this than life. Going through school and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to get out of school. Maybe I'll go to university to do a trade. And I tell my kids this, they're all in school. And they're like, they think this, freedom. When I finish school, freedom, I'm like, like, like how, do I, how do I say this to you? Like, kind of. Kind of, but are you aware of this thing called bills and like responsibilities and you're going to have a bus one day and like, can they tell me to do anything? We're like, well, I guess you're going to discover how all of this works, but, but when I get out of school, I'll have freedom. And it's like, well, you, you may have more years of study left at university and ultimately you get into a career and chances are you get blessed with this great thing in life called a mortgage. And then you're paying off a, 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 a mortgage. Maybe then you have kids. I mean, this is at least a trajectory my life has taken. We all have unique stories. And, and then three kids. And, and, it, and it's like, man, your life changes when you have kids, right? I, I can't even remember the last time I went to see a movie. Even now, I'm like, what, what is that? I've been meaning to see the new Top Gun movie. Has anybody seen it? I've been meaning to see it. I still haven't seen it. What's going on? It's probably out already on... I was going to say DVD, but who watches DVDs? We don't watch DVDs now. <laughs> and hopefully as you're like paying off your mortgage and raising kids, you're doing this little thing called super. Yeah, that's like a legislated retirement package that we have in Australia, right? And ultimately, here's the goal, that one day after a lifetime of working, you will accrue enough in this little thing called super over here pay off this little thing called a mortgage, that one day you'll finally get enough to do whatever you want to do. You're on cruises and eat buffets. Walk on the beach morning tonight. Right? Live the dream. Buy a boat if you want. Go fishing. Like, do whatever you want. And that is presented to us ultimately as the dream. 
But surely there are more and more people that are asking this question, is that really it? Like, is that really what we want to exchange this coin for and live our lives for? A life just lived for the river to flow into the sea and hopefully we get more things and more stuff and one day can just do the things that we think will please us and we find ourselves in those places and the search for significance remains. And I think we've got to ask this honest question of ourselves. Can we really find significance? If our life is not centered around God, I mean, I think that's just an honest question. We need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, like, honestly, really, do we really believe, do we truly believe created beings that we can truly build and have a life of significance if we haven't placed God at the very center of who we are, at the very center of our lives and our homes, that God is at the center? I was reading recently a book, and it spoke to me. The author was very successful in business, and he wrote this about his own journey. He says, of course, there was something gnawing at me. How was it that I could be so successful, so fortunate, and yet so frustratingly unfulfilled? Yeah, that's, I think, the story of our times. I know I've asked questions like that myself, and I know this I want to do the very best that I can to exchange that coin for maximum value. Isn't that what we try to do with our money? You don't go into a store and say, isn't that awesome? It's overpriced. Please, just take my money. Right? We're always looking for value. Like, that's a deal. 20% off. Fantastic. Go into Harbour Town and the outlets. I love the outlets. Like, that's a good deal. It's on sale. Isn't that great? Have you ever heard of these stories where people go to like the garage sales and somehow they find like a, you know, an old Rolex watch and it's got all dirt over it and so they, 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 they spend a dollar or they get like an old school basketball card, you know, that someone's just selling like as trash, here's a dollar. And they go and get that thing valued and it's worth like a small fortune. There's some amazing stories out there about what people have found at garage sales. I almost get this picture in my mind that it's like we've got a whole generation at a garage sale. They've all got the dollar to spend. And there's the bargain bin there of the world. And it's like everybody is fighting over the same worthless items. Like, here, take my money, take my coin. I'll exchange my life for these things, for influence, for fame, for recognition, for, for, for material gain. Like, to take it. I would willingly exchange this coin for those things. And then God has this table that almost looks neglected over in the corner. It's not very crowded, trust me. It's the things that God values. To me, it's like the old dirty Rolex watch. It's the old school basketball card. And if you exchange that $1 for that, it's like it's mind-blowing value. No one would question you if you said, what did you do today? You'd never believe it. I went to a garage sale and for a dollar, I brought a gold Rolex. That's, oh my, God, oh my goodness, where did, how did you find that? That value exchange is incredible. And I've found this, that a life where God is at the center is a life where the value exchange is so worth it, so much more valuable than anything that rests on the table that the world has to offer. Remember, life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you want, but you only get to spend it once. How are you spending your coin? 
Ecclesiastes chapter 2 reads, and this is Solomon continuing his discussion on his own life. He says this, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So he's kind of like the ultimate consumer. You know, I didn't deny myself any pleasure I took anything I wanted in life. Had everything that people would ever aspire to or dream of. I took it all, had it all. And yet, here I am experiencing vanity. Can I, can I put this in front of you tonight? We can have lifestyle or life significance. And this idea that the penultimate human experience is lifestyle, I want to press on that a little bit and challenge that notion. That the greatest thing you can experience in life is the best lifestyle. Like, really? Are we, are you sure? Like, are you totally convinced that that's true? That a better lifestyle is everything you're searching for in life? You know what I think is a much higher value that offers us a much more meaningful exchange for our little coin? And it's this idea of life significance. Not just lifestyle, but life significance. But a significant life is not a selfish life. Perhaps that's what we're seeing emerging from the writings of Solomon, that he took everything he wanted. He didn't deny himself any pleasure. It's him, and it's a self-centered life. But a selfless life is something very different. A selfless life is a life of significance. There's another writer in the New Testament, and I want to read a verse from you, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Just listen to this as an interesting like link back to Ecclesiastes. And it reads, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So Paul writes in the New Testament, in contrast to Solomon's writing, which is what? All of my labor is completely in vain. It's a chasing after the wind. It's meaningless. Paul writes, there is a different kind of labor in the Lord that you can do that is not in vain. Isn't that interesting? Almost a reversal of the meaningless life that we read about in Ecclesiastes is Paul teaching us, here's how to put your labor, your value exchange, your coin to good use. What are we meant to do? The work of the Lord. Serving God and putting God right at the center of our lives. Or what about the words of Jesus? In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, it reads, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Would you listen to this verse? For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? It's actually a metaphor of economics. Now, very quick little business le lesson here as we get into our, our clothes. So when you're running a business, you have like a couple of different columns in your spreadsheet, right? One are your expenses and one is your, your revenue, your, your income. Here's the general idea of running a business, right? You want your revenue, your income to be greater than your expenses. So if your business has a revenue or an income of $100 million, but your expenses are $200 million. What does that mean? It means you've lost money, right? So the idea of profit is that which remains. That which remains. Now, Jesus gives us this almost extreme example. He's like, how about this? What if a man gains the whole world? I mean, you can't get more extreme than that. He's not like, what if a man gained a million dollars? Like, what if a man gained two houses instead of one? What if a man had a, a house, a boat, and a car? But Jesus is like, what if there happened to be somebody who actually had the ability to gain it all? The whole world. The whole world. So in the revenue column, in the income, you could just write down the whole world. That's, that's a pretty good year. How did your business do this year? Wow, it's interesting. You know how income was like the whole world. Wow, it's incredible. And Jesus says, but in the expense column, that individual who seemingly gains everything loses something of themselves in the process. They lose this thing called their soul. And in doing so, when all is calculated at the end, there's nothing left. What profits a man? What profit? What profit? What profit? It's the words of Solomon. What profit is there? Where's the gain? What's of value? What's of significance? What, what remains in life? What profits a man or a woman if they gain seemingly everything but lose the essence of who they are in the process? We have to know what the worthwhile exchange is for the coin, for our life. And I want to quickly give you these three things because I believe this wholeheartedly, that a significant life must be built. It must be intentionally curated. You're not just going to wake up one morning and go, oh, significance is here. It has to be pursued, crafted, built. And I want to just show you these three things that Jesus told us to do. Number one, deny ourselves. Again, it's in contrast to the writings of Solomon. I took every pleasure I could. And what does Jesus say? Don't do what Solomon did. Deny yourself. Don't make it all about you and your feelings and your emotions and your happiness and me, 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 me. He's like, deny you. Number two, he says, take up your cross. The 
very cause of Christ. A sense of sacrifice, a sense of mission, a sense of purpose. Take up your cross. And then number three, follow me. Ultimately, Solomon did conclude on some similar sentiments in the 12th chapter where he writes the conclusion of the whole matter is this, fear God and keep his commandments. But may I ask you the question this evening, have you made a decision to do those three things that Jesus asked us to do? To exchange the coin and say, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow Jesus. It's a countercultural move to do these three things. But in doing so, we will exchange our lives for that which is truly significant and that which is truly of value. Why? Because life is a coin and you can spend it any way you want, but you only get to spend it once. So how will you spend yours? What's worth the exchange? Would you take a moment to stand to your feet? I want to pray for you this evening. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it brings life to us and light to us. I pray for people right now in this space that are saying, I want to live a life. I desperately want to live a life of significance. I don't want to live a life of vanity where nothing remains of value. I want to live a life of true profit where I've exchanged my life for something of immense value. Perhaps you're in this room tonight and maybe that decision is not one that you've fully made in totality. To deny yourself, to take up your cross and to follow Jesus. Now you may have been in church for years, but you'd say, I'm not sure I ever got to that level. That, that level seems high. That level seems take up my cross, follow Jesus, deny myself. But I want to pray specifically tonight for people in this place. You're saying that right here, right now is a decision that I want to make. I want to follow Him. I want to deny myself. I want to take up my cross and I'm choosing a path of significance. Would you take a moment just in this place and shut out every distraction. Lord, I pray in this room tonight, for people who are saying, that's me, that's me. In this moment, I'm making a life decision and choice to aim the trajectory of my life, not in meaningless vanity, but rather I choose to deny myself and to pick up my cross and to follow after Jesus. Lord, I pray as people make that decision right now in their hearts and in their lives, that this decision would be deeply meaningful. It would be very significant. It would bring about great transformation in people's lives where they're saying, I was on this path and tonight, on this day, in this room, I made a choice and it shifted something within my life. It shifted something about my future. I'm going to exchange that coin for something of value. I'm not going to just spend it trying to chase pleasure in life or lifestyle. I'm going to live a life that matters, following after Jesus. And tonight we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Come on, would you just give God some praise tonight and thank Him for His goodness. Amen. Come on, take a moment. Let's sing. Let's worship tonight. Why don't we express our gratitude towards God tonight in this place. Thank you, team.
Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.